thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up For A Chat, about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Cindy O'Meara. And welcome to The Wellness Guys. This is a weekly show dedicated to bringing health and wellness into your lives. I'm Damien Christophe, and Brett and Lawrence aren't here. Here, but I'm here with the beautiful Cindy O'Meara, and this is a conversation with Damien and Cindy and the gorgeous Diana Minich. Now, I interviewed Diana a couple of weeks ago, and I had some terrible tech issues. And we're at the Bioceutical Symposium in Sydney, and we've um, we've stolen the food plate from Diana. We've sat it down. <laughs> we said we're going to re-interview. So I've invited Cindy along, and we're going to be sharing this podcast on both Up for a Chat and the Wellness Guys. So, Diana. It's great to see you in the flesh. Yeah. Love it's it. so good to be yeah. here. Good yeah. to be down under. Yeah, and I'm sitting really close to Diana because she has this amazing energy that she throws off, and I think it's making the colors in my body better. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, amazing. That would be jet lag. What? My, the colors <laughs> the, in my the, body? No, oh, the, the energy, energy that I'm throwing <laughs> off. <laughs> Not at all. Diana, you've, um, it's been an incredible weekend so far, and uh, we're only halfway through. There's mm-hmm. still you know, another mm-hmm. day and a half to go. Um, I've loved listening to you speak and to, to what you've been speaking about. And, and the session that I had to leave early in just before, you were speaking about supplementation and, yeah. and the requirement, the need for people to um, ensure not only are they having a great diet, but also to include other nutrients in their diet yeah. um, as a result of deficiencies in farming or problems mm-hmm. associated with preparation of food or cooking. I'd love to hear more about about supplementation. You know, obviously not all supplements are complete, uh, uh, are equal. Um, there's some very, very poor quality supplements that we have in Australia. Mm-hmm. Terrible quality supplements that we have in Australia. And I know in the US as well, there's terrible supplements. But w- where would somebody start with the right sort of supplementation? Yeah, well, you know, I was mentioning in the talk too that I think that there are some cornerstone supplements that everybody should be on, no matter what. And they're relatively safe. So... Um, you know, I, I like probiotics. I think that vitamin D levels should be tested. I think that fish oil is pretty important as well. So when it comes to where do you start, I think it's really important to check in with a practitioner just to see what symptoms do you have and then how do we match those symptoms to nutrients. And it's pretty seamless to do that. You know, um, Many people, in fact, I just looked at the data and I just presented in the presentation that 29% of Australians are taking at least one dietary supplement. Okay. So, There's not very many. Well, it's <laughs> almost a third of the population. Uh, yeah. Well, it, actually, I take that back. It was out of the people that were interviewed. So sure. right. we're just we have a random group that was interviewed. Most of them were taking a multivitamin, okay. and then another segment of them were taking fish oil. So you know there is this idea of ensuring that you have this additional buffer, getting a multivitamin mineral. Mm. I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. But it's got to be a high quality one because a lot of the ones, and I'm sure here, they're loaded up with dyes and with sugar. You know, I've actually seen sugar in artificial sweeteners in supplements. And, and in children's supplements. And children. children you've got these, do you have know, the gummies right? here? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. And they're a, just terrible. What a joke. Uh-huh. Like, amazing. Drives me crazy. 
What's really interesting is that um, in Australia, the average Australian will take 46,000 tablets in their lifetime. Really? Yeah, that's wow. the statistics. And now, is that pharmaceuticals? No, or, or everything. from everything. Any tablet that they're taking, whether that be supplementation, whether that be medication, and no doubt more would be medication than supplementation. Huh. But that's the stats. In England, it's 40,000. I have no idea what it is in the US. I've only looked at, at those two. It'll yeah, be high. I'm sure it's really high. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing that I... Um, really struggle with with supplementation and I mm -hmm. you know we were talking about this afterwards is that in Australia many of the companies will just go to one company to get their supplements made up so they'll say this yeah. is the formula I want will you make it up they then source their supplements and I've rung the company and said where are you sourcing your supplements from and I'll find that the minerals are mined yeah. The vitamin, like vitamin C, is coming from wheat uh -huh. in a fermented yeah, way. Vitamin A is acetone. Right. Um, vitamin B1 is from mm -hmm. uh, the petrochemical industry. And I, I started to really research this. And I went, well, how can these supplements be worthwhile? So quality is definitely mm -hmm. what people have to look at, but who do they know who to trust? Yeah, well, they have to ask the hard questions like you just did. Mm. One of the things that I mentioned in my presentation was that my preference is to use whole food sources of mm. vitamins and minerals and just even phytonutrients. So, um, you know, when you have a whole food source and you know where it's derived from, then you know what you're getting. Mm. Uh, many vitamins and minerals are synthesized, and you're correct. I mean, in fact, many of them are actually genetically modified if you start looking under the hood. Uh, there are some vitamins that are only made through that type of chemical synthesis. So I think as much as possible, sticking closer to nature, getting the full complement of the different isomers that are found in a plant versus just having one in isolation in very large amounts. But I think your point is, is well taken. I mean, there is this this idea of quality. And so if we're having a, a terrible supplement with poor quality that we haven't looked into, then chances are we may not get the benefit. I think the other thing with supplements is that many times people can't tell whether or not it's doing anything. So if you take a multivitamin and you don't have really any symptoms, it's kind of hard to say, well, is this doing me any benefit? So then you might fall off and stop taking it. Um, so, you know, I, I do think it's good to kind of have these staples where we take them. And one of the other things that I mentioned in my talk is not to take anything so repeatedly, mindlessly, you know, we have to be much more intuitive about how we're taking supplements and tune into our bodies. Mm -hmm. You know, there might be certain times of our lives where we need more of certain minerals or vitamins or even phytonutrients. So we have to be really in tune with that. And if we're not in tune, we have to work with a practitioner. And, you know, with this new precision medicine or precision nutrition, which is coming up with when we do our gene alleles or mm -hmm. we understand our DNA and then the epigenetics, it, it is becoming more precision where if you have the MTRR or the COMT, you know, you're looking at B12 and um, methionine and you're looking at all these things. So I, mm -hmm. I'm actually loving that um, way, but I'm still very, very interested in, well, how is it being made? So one of the things that we did was that we have a food company um, and, and a lot of my listeners will know this, is that we have a food company and we were looking at Camu Camu. But Camu Camu comes from South America, and we have a Gwunji here in Australia. It's Kakadu Plum. It's very high in vitamin C, much the same as Camu Camu. It's very expensive here in Australia, so the, the people that were making it for us said, well, why don't we put it in a capsule? I said, great, that's a you know, good idea. So I said, can I see the ingredients of the capsule? It had propylene glycol in it. Mm -hmm. And wow. so this was where I... It was because I started to look 
I wanted to find these for myself and then I started to learn all these these things which really pushed me way away from supplementation in, yeah. in that form. Food, definitely. So we now just get Camu Camu powder in because Gabunji is $500 a kilo. Whereas Camu Camu, which is just as good, is, is further away. So it's, it's, it's so confusing. Like It's so confusing, Cindy. You're saying this and, and I've been prescribing supplements for so many years. So Diana, how do we find a, a good supplement? How do we find something that's high quality? Yeah, you know, it requires us to really um, get a little bit educated about the certain things that are in supplements, right? So if we start with a multivitamin, what I'd like everybody to do is to read not just the vitamins and minerals that are in the product, because of course those are going to be there, but look at things like the excipients and the other things that are in the supplement. How do you find that out? Well, it's on the label. They have yeah. to claim it. You know, no, you, not you here. Have to, not always here. No. No. You have to ring the manufacturer. Yeah, we can't find out here. So, yeah. unlike food, where every ingredient has to be put into, in a supplement here in Australia, it only puts the active ingredients in there. You don't know what the excipients are. So you don't know what the excipients You don't know if there's sugar. You don't no. know if there are dyes or You know if there's gluten because it says uh, right. does not contain gluten or it does not contain yeast. So you might see that, but there's no. you won't find excipients. Oh, well, then you better uh, call the manufacturer. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, I did it with Centrum, so I think Centrum's yeah, in the US, and so I got the US label, and then I got the Australian label. And the US label gave me so much more information, and the Australian yeah. label gave me nothing. Mm. And another company um, was selling these um, fish, have you seen these, these colourful fish that have fish oils in them for kids? And somebody gave it to me and said, oh, what do you think of these, Cindy? And I picked it out and, and put it on my tongue. It was a sweet as sweet could be. And then I opened it up, it didn't look like fish oil. So I rang the manufacturer and I said to them, could you tell me what's in these? Oh no, that's a proprietary blend. You tell me what allergy your children have and I'll let you know if it's in there. Oh no, my word. Really, really? Yeah, yeah, that was those fish oils, nature's way ones. This puts it. Wow. Sorry, like, um, you know. Oh, well, it's nature's way. Nature's you know, way. Keep yeah. your eyes open. You know, if they're not going to be forthcoming, oh. you and I are going to be forthcoming with mm. what's in our food products that we manufacture. Yeah, we do. And people are ingesting it. And these are Australian listed TGA approved supplements. Mm -hmm. So we should be able to find out what's actually in them. Absolutely. Mm. Oh, wow. Does it surprise you? It does surprise me. I had no idea. Yeah. Because in my talk today, I was just assuming that everybody's going to read the labels. Right? And so it sounds like you've got to do a lot of homework. So maybe for the listener, too, um, to check in with a practitioner who's pretty well versed in different supplements. It sounds like that's a necessity. Mm. So what types of practitioners here would be well versed in supplements? Would it be naturopaths and chiropractors and probably not as much in the way of medical doctors, correct? Um, most medical doctors won't be, but the integrated GPs will be and yeah. some functional doctors, medicine doctors will be. Yeah. In fact, you would expect functional medicine doctors to be. Um, and how do people say, find these doctors? Well, you can go to different websites. So there's um, the ACNEM, so Atnam. Um, there's also AIMA. So there's a number of different integrative general practitioner or integrative medicine websites that people can actually go to. And, you know, even to that extent, I'll, I'll be... I'll say something that might upset my colleagues. Not all chiropractors sell high-quality nutrients. Mm -hmm. You know, some chiropractors mm -hmm. out there are selling nutrients that have been imported from the United States. Isogenics. Well, there's one. And so, and when what we actually find is that, you know, whether it's a multi-level marketing 
spin or if it's a uh, evangelic presenter gets up and says, you know, this is the best way to have it. Makes you suspicious, doesn't it? I don't like it. I don't like mm -hmm. it. But there's chiropractors out there that are selling it. And so not all chiropractors will sell the right stuff. Same as naturopaths. Not all naturopaths will sell the right stuff too. So I don't want to be going into branding and naming brands of the ones that are the best ones. But I think the, the, the key thing to look for is a, a practitioner, like a naturopath or an integrative GP, um, and potentially a chiropractor as well, or an osteopath, yeah. who, who's actually doing further study. Not not just mm -hmm. has done a couple of weekend courses, mm -hmm. they actually have to have done further study. Maybe they're part of a special interest group. Um, but how know. will a patient know? How will the average listener listening to the show know what that practitioner, what questions do they have to ask? Sounds like so much work just to get a supplement it's, here. It's a bit of work. It's a bit of work, and obviously there's a relationship and a rapport that's built with the with the practitioner and the patient. Yeah. So I think that you know, to some extent, the patient needs to feel like they can trust their practitioner. I think that's really important. Um, and and even if uh, this this might sound a little strange, but I think Diana, you're on my page with this one. I think Cindy will also get this. The 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 trust and and the confidence that a, a patient feels with their practitioner goes a long way to the healing of the patient anyway. So if worst case scenario, the, the, the supplements are dud, but the, the practitioner is given it with all good intention and good purpose, then the patient may even find that they get benefit anyway. But I don't know if this is the safest way to go about it. Right, well that you know sounds I mean? like almost the placebo effect, right? Yeah. Which is very powerful. Well, 60%, right? Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, it's a sticky one. If let's just assume that there are high quality supplements that people have access to, yeah, and I want to talk about the different ones that I think people should have, yeah. no matter what they have going on for them. Okay, great. Right. So today in my talk, I talked about the three top things. If I was stranded on a desert island, what would I want? Coconuts. Salmon. <laughs> <laughs> I love salmon. I like it's like I can't live without it. <laughs> Well, you're talking food now, um, but uh, if we're talking food, I definitely Sorry. would want broccoli. My broccoli. Yeah, oh, okay, broccoli. we'll go broccoli. There we go. Yeah. yeah. And sweet potato. Can we have yeah. yeah. This is sounding like a good meal. <laughs> so here's one. I, I do think that uh, most people, just about everybody, needs some kind of probiotic. Mm. Everybody's gut is in disarray. And one of the, the easiest ways to fix the gut and get in there and affect multiple mechanisms is really using multi-strain probiotics. Yeah. And so many people have a lot of questions about probiotics. You know, what kind do I use? What strain and how much? And, you know, um, I, I think that um, that's a really good place to start. Multi-strain, if you have a specific condition, it's good to work with a practitioner on a specific strain that will target that condition. 100%. What I love about probiotics is that they've been isolated from the gut. So we know that they actually do exist in the gut, so they're commensal. And so even if at label, mm -hmm. there's not, oh sorry, at the date, like when they're, when they're purchased from the shelf, even if there's not as many in there that we would hope that there would be in there, there's still bacteria that would normally reside in the gut. So my thing around it, and tell me if I'm wrong here or you don't agree with me, my thing around uh, probiotics is that they should be cycled. So I would say use a probiotic for a period of time and then get off it and then try another one and then get off it and then try another one. And it might not be for many, many months or years before you go back to that original one that you had. This is all in the case of somebody being well. So if you're not trying to treat or manage a condition or a disease, and you just want to do wellness, just cycle your probiotics. So you're not just growing one particular type of tree in your gut. You're growing many different types of flora and fauna. That's yeah. my feeling. 
Well, gosh, I would apply that principle throughout all of dietary supplement use. Okay. So uh, today in the talk, I talked about getting variety and never stick to one thing for too long. So I like have what, this... So if someone's taking CoQ10, mm -hmm. should they stop that for periods of time? Well, here's my general philosophy. I think that um, being on something for a certain period of time, like three weeks on and then one week off, mm -hmm. because when we're, when we're so used to seeing something coming into the body, we start getting used to it, and the body is really smart and adaptable. Yeah, right. And so we may start to change our physiology based on the presence of that nutrient, and the body stops working so hard then. And so I think that just, we see this with botanical medicine, with a lot of these herbs, herbs, I should say. <laughs> uh, we, <laughs> the, the way that they work, and I've observed this clinically, is that after a certain period of time, especially the adaptogens, the things that help us work with stress response, they stop working after we've taken them for several weeks. So we need to almost reset and allow the body to see them again. Mm, nice. Yeah. This is the whole adage of what can heal can harm isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, so we always, we say this in Cairo, you know, whilst the adjustment is incredibly powerful and should help the body to heal itself. We also acknowledge that if it's done incorrectly and in, and given at the wrong time in the wrong, wrong place, mm -hmm. then the adjustment can be quite dangerous. Yeah. And so the same as nutrients and supplementation. Um, if you're taking supplements and let's face it, supplements are just, I suppose, a safer form of drug. You actually, affecting change within the body and you need to give your body a rest from that you need to give your body a rest absolutely and it doesn't have to be a three weeks on one week off it could mm -hmm. be every other day yeah sure so with the probiotic back to the probiotic maybe doing a higher dose probiotic less frequently throughout the week oh nice so i'm noticing that some people do like 15 billion yep i like people to do 50 or 100 billion yeah less frequently yeah and bigger people need bigger guts one other thing with supplements is that we don't have a certain amount per kilogram body weight. Like they do with drugs. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, you know, so we see them all just on one particular level. And, um, you know, I think we're far away from, from getting that and, and really seeing that. But, you know, that's just one other thing mm. to consider. One of the things that I do, so I have a probiotic. Um, but it's on food, it's based on food. So we, it's like getting sauerkraut and ferment and uh, doing the fermentation on the cabbage, becoming sauerkraut, then we dry it and we just put it into a container. Mm. But it's, I've got more foods in there. And what I do is that I will put a teaspoon in a can of coconut cream that I put into a glass jar and I'll sit it out on my bench for two days. And it will ferment the coconut cream and it gives me a different prebiotic and it allows more probiotics. So instead of me having, you know, a, a container that's got 50 grams of probiotics, I now have just created a yogurt that's out of a teaspoon of it that is going to give me billions and billions. So that's one way I do it. I also do it with coconut water. Mm -hmm. So I just put a teaspoon of my probiotic in the coconut water, sit it on the bench for two days. It gets really fizzy and um, quite, um, you know, tingly, actually. Mm -hmm. it's, it's quite amazing. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And I do um, juices. So I juice mm. um, carrot and beetroot and um, I'll put cucumber and something like that in. Then I'll put a, a teaspoon of my probiotic in there and let it ferment that. And then I might do, like I might make a mix of mango and um, coconut cream, put the probiotic in. So I'm actually producing more of that probiotic as opposed to just eating the probiotic or the probiotic with no prebiotic. Mm -hmm. So, and I know people, you can do it with capsule ones as well. I've, I've seen that, but I like to, I'm a food girl. I'm a, you know, I'm a food girl through and through. And I like to see how creative I can be 
in creating my own as opposed to always relying on manufacturers to do to do that. So that's that's how I do it. That's a great idea. Mm. You know, I always like to default to whole food sources mm. of uh, different nutrients because you have more things in there yeah. that's changing perhaps the digestibility or how the body assimilates it. So there's something to be said about um, having those types of complexes versus an isolated nutrient. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. when we when we realize that. Um, when we do ferment something, we increase the nutrient value of that. Yeah. So if I'm putting a juice in there that I've juiced myself, that has all of the, the beautiful nutrients, but it has the sugar as well, and let's say we have someone who cannot be having sugar, well, we just get the bugs to eat the sugar, create more vitamins and minerals, and then we yeah we do it mm. that way. So nice. I'm always trying to find ways that we can enhance our food as opposed to defaulting to um, vitamins and minerals. Having said that, I do have a mineral that I suggest for people to take, and it's plant-based. Hmm. So, um, and it it comes out of a plant out of South Australia, um, and we extract the minerals out of that. That's my one thing that I do extract out because I don't think anyone's going to like to eat the plant. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that you get it from the country in which you live too. You're not harvesting something in Africa and bringing it over. It's it's very specific and local. Yeah, what we can get in Australia, we try and get in Australia. Yeah, yeah. but we can't get everything here. No. You know? and, and then there's also the finances, you know, when I, we were mm-hmm. talking about the Camu Camu versus the Gabunji, and I love the Gabunji, but because of the way it's harvested, because of who's harvesting it, and because that they seem to have a monopoly over it. Yeah. It makes yeah. it very, very expensive. Well, that issue is even coming up now with fish oil. Yeah, that, right. That uh, right, there's right. a crisis, a sustainability issue with fish oil, right? So there are different sources now that are emerging, like from squid or from krill or from, you know, other sea plant sources. Mm. So I think we do have to think about that. I'm glad that you raised that because sustainability is something that's going to impact us overall, right? Mm. I mean, that's... Well, when you it's consider the it's five kilos of fish to create one liter of oil, and I go into the chemist store and I see these huge containers with a thousand capsules in it, and then you can read the excipients on there, or you ring them, and they've got soybean oil in there. Yeah. They've got synthetic vitamin A. Yeah, the cheap stuff's cheap. Is it cheap stuff's cheap? Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. You get what you pay yeah. for. There's only one in Australia yeah. that I reckon is any good yeah. um, of the fish oils. And they don't put a flavor in it. They just put an essential oil in it. Mm-hmm. They put lime in it. And it's always in the refrigerator. Um, and that's Melrose. It's the yeah. only one. And yeah. it's not in capsule form. So there's no gelatin or anything like that. And to me, like, we have not got good quality supplements. And you oh. have to really, really really watch what we're doing we were actually talking about it before weren't we that there's one or two manufacturers here in australia that make all the pills huh that's mm. it yeah it's a bit concerning i, I will say that i trust the medigenics one <laughs> i will definitely do <laughs> and, and i'll say that i'll say that and i but i'll also say that i love the uh, ethical nutrients which is obviously the offshoot to medigenics so that's so ethical nutrients and medigenics they i, I love their oil i love their fish oil it's good i, I take that one myself oh okay um, and it's standardized. And one I of the do things, too. I take that one. Do you? Well, so the reason I like that, and, and, and the reason why I like things to be standardized is because once you've taken it out of the fish, it's now no longer innately intelligent. Mm-hmm. Like, it's now no longer the way in which it was intended to be taken, because it was intended to be taken in the fish. But you've taken the fish away, and you're left with the oil. So 
regardless of whether or not it stays at 30% or a 120 and 180 combination of EPA, DHA, the greatness of a high quality supplement is that it's been standardized, it's been filtered, and now, like you would be expecting to take a supplement, it's got a medicinal property to it, and it's now drug-like, and so you want it to work the best it's possibly gonna work. So, I, I don't, I'm not too sure about the Melrose one, but I want it to be so ultra-filtered and so clean, and at the same time provide the benefit, so it needs to be standardized. I wanna know that every time I'm having it, I'm getting 50%, marine triglycerides um, f in the form of omega e or EPA and DHA. And I don't want the soy and I don't want the mm. other rubbish mm. oils. So I, I really like that. So we've got oil and we've got um, probiotics. What else on our deserted island are we gonna have? Can I just ask, I yeah. just wanna ask a question on the EPA and DHA. Yeah. Why are our plant sources not good enough? I know they keep talking about a, a limiting enzyme. Why is there a limiting enzyme, and and is it because we're not healthy and we can't make enough EPA and DHA from our plant sources? Just, oh, just I want question. to ask both of you. Great like, question. Yeah, well, it, it appears to be well. From what I picked up the other day, when was it Mark? Who was, was it Mark was talking the other day about the about, about the different the limiting, nutrients? He said yeah. three to five percent. Well, I've heard yeah. up to twenty-two percent. Right. Conversion rate. But I continually hear that number. I continually hear that number of you know three to five percent. Fish only convert. Nine to twelve percent. Yeah, well, yeah. So I, I would be surprised. I, I, I don't know, Diana. What do you? Well, think? one of the things yeah. that he mentioned was that it was also gender specific. That yeah. women, especially when they're pregnant, can make a more efficient conversion, right? That's right. So, in so another thing is that um, a lot of the enzymes that are required to convert the shorter chain omega threes and omega sixes into the longer chain requires a lot of nutrients. And it's in, it's impeded by stress or insulin resistance or lack right. of these nutrients. So some of the nutrients that you need in order to make that conversion are B vitamins, uh, magnesium. You know, everybody's short of magnesium and B vitamins. I think, you know, back to like what is my ideal supplement on the desert island? <laughs> the B complex. You know, then you get your your folic acid. You get everything. I mean, B six for neurotransmitters and you get your B2 and your B3 for energy production. I mean, it's just, I love the B vitamins. So, um, you know, I think that that in part is part of it because we don't have those nutrients. And if we had the perfect diet and had the perfect supplements, we probably wouldn't have as much of an issue. It'd be interesting to look at a population where you knew that those things were repleted mm, and okay. at a good level. And yeah. then you look at conversion just to see, because how many of us really, you know, I just came across that study that I presented today that, most Australians are very short in fruits and vegetables. You're just not eating what no. you need to. We're so 5% five, five of us eat what they say we should be eating. Yeah. And I, like, yeah. I was shocked when I saw that. Well, that's a, that's a current up-to-date statistic. Mm. I was actually phoned. I was, I was part of the, I was phoned by whoever's collecting the data. And, uh, and my answer was that I have somewhere between 12 and 15 servers of fruits and vegetables a day. And, and the man on the end of the phone said, oh, no, but you can only go up to seven, right? Oh. <laughs> and I said, no, no, I'm like 12 to 15. He goes, oh, well, what would you like me to put? I said, 12 to 15. He said, oh, I can only go to seven. I said, well, if you can only go to seven, just put it at seven. <laughs> so that already limited the, yeah. just didn't make sense. It yeah. was crazy. No, it was that's crazy. interesting, really. I know. Crazy. So they're not going to let us get there anyway. No. Well, wow. Coles and Woolworths are still saying two plus five. You know, that's in their that's their nutrient recommendation. It's the the standard Dietetics Association of Australia mm -hmm. recommendation is to have 
you know, two fruits, two to three fruits, and mm -hmm. you know, three to five vegetables. So it's yeah. still food pyramid based information here right. in Australia. Well, in the states, uh, we aim for nine to thirteen is the the general guideline now. Wow, the states are doing better than us. <laughs> we're go. aiming high, but well, I don't think a lot of people. Thing for us, like, we've always said, oh, we're doing better than the US, but not now. No, you're no, not. In, in many behind. respects, yeah. yeah. And we've got so much legislation that's holding us back too. Mm -hmm. mm. Can we discuss iodine? Maybe like because iodine sure. seems to be something that they're saying that we're all lacking in. Mm -hmm. Yet Australia has the um, RDI set at or RDA, I think we call it, is set at uh, 190 micrograms, I think, of iodine. Now, when I was listening to one of the um, physicians, they were talking, you know, we need to give them a, gr a gram a day. Well, that, that would be seen as toxic here in Australia. Yeah, it would be seen as toxic in Australia to give a gram a day. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a therapeutic dose. Mm. It's different than a daily dose, right? Mm. So you have a, a patient with some kind of indication that you're giving that to them for a certain amount of time. So, you know, iodine, I think of fibrocystic breast disease, I think of mm. thyroid function. There's a lot of debate about whether or not to give iodine in Hashimoto's. Mm. That might be because of how it's utilized and not having enough selenium. You know, there's all kinds of question around that. So my preference with something like iodine is to use a sea plant source. Yeah. I love sea plants. Kelp. Kelp dulse. and arame, you know, all of dulse and yeah. all of the different. Kombu would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Which one? Banned in Australia, kombu. Yeah. Yeah. It's been oh, it's banned? Yeah. banned because um, it was too high in iodine. Wow. So it's been banned here in Australia. You cannot buy it. <laughs> but I think of it as even a salt substitute, like the Daniela and... Um, you know, because they're so rich in minerals, they're mm. kind of, you know, they have that salty kind of, it would be a great salt substitute. All right, so we've got B vitamins. Yeah. We've got probiotics. Mm -hmm. We've got fish oil. Is mm -hmm. there anything else on the island that you would love? I know you said three, but is there anything else? Hmm. You know, a lot of people are deficient in vitamin D. Yeah. Well, surely you're going to be naked. That you're is... naked on the island, right? Well, so okay, you're... right. You might uh, have a fig leaf, maybe three. But... but then you can also say no fish oil because I can get fish too if I'm on well, an island. But and it's going to be warmer though, isn't it? So you need cold water fish. <laughs> it's hard to get anchovies. Difficult you know, to get but, salmon. But having said that about the sun and vitamin D, yeah. how many people live in Queensland and are all vitamin D deficient? Yeah. That's the slip and I wouldn't be out in the sun anyway. They're wearing their hat, putting the sunscreen on, putting on a you know long sleeve shirt because they're well, scared I, that the sun's going to burn them. They're going to get melanoma. Yeah, but I will get burned, so I'm not going to go into the sun. <laughs> well, you're on a desert island. What are you going to do? You can't speak. Hide under the coconut trees. We'll see. <laughs> I'll be speaking to my broccoli. No, well, you know, I think, um, you know, if we're just thinking of, you know, just in general, what are the main supplements? I still do think that vitamin D is important. And a lot of us have genetic variability in how we use vitamin D. Mm. So, for example, I have a SNP called VDR, vitamin D receptor. So even though my body is taking in vitamin D, it doesn't utilize it very well. And many people that have things like osteoporosis or low bone mineral density actually have this SNP. And it so, has no, it's no fault of their own in terms of their diet. It's just their body doesn't use it. if you've got that SNP, if you've got that genetic profiling and you're not doing much with vitamin D, how does taking vitamin D make that any different? Well, sometimes you can override it. Okay. So you can bombard the receptor so that 
it, there's such a huge influx of all of this vitamin D that it just continually sees the message. Oh, okay. Right? Right. So otherwise, um, if it's just coming in every now and then, you may not be able to tickle the receptor enough. But I still so think... It's like a dose-dependent sort of response. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Oh, fascinating. There's a book out, and it's called Lights Out. I don't know if you know the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the author now, but she basically said it's not the light in our life that's important for vitamin D, it's the darkness in our life. Ooh. Mm. That was her take on it, yeah. Allowing it to synthesize over yeah. time. Well, she, she says if you do not have darkness, then... You, you don't you won't get your vitamin D because she says you should be able to get enough vitamin D with ten minutes of sunshine. This is this is what her theory is, and so she says it's all about the darkness because we have screens in front of us. We, you know, we have so much light around us, and yeah. if you live in the city, it's the wrong kind of light. Yeah, yeah. it's the blue light yeah. as opposed yeah, right. to the the orange light. So, the only yeah. blue light that's good you... is the blue light discos. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you ever have those underage discos? <laughs> Oh, we had underage. It's Australian. No, it's blue light. Yeah, blue light. The police would put them on. You party animals. The police would put them on and you'd go down. It was all safe. It was all safe. Let's talk about um, why why would a person, the mentality of taking it. You know, Mm. we seem to think that a pill's going to make us better. Shovel, yeah. Yeah. Pill for an ill. I I think that that's just how we've been (laughs) raised in our society, right? Mm. You have a symptom, you go to the doctor, you get a medication, you get a a drug. So I think that that is the danger many times that people think that, oh, I can have McDonald's, I can have this hamburger, I can eat crap, Mm -hmm. and then just take the supplement and be okay. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we see mixed reviews with a lot of studies on supplements, because here you have this poor quality diet, poor quality lifestyle, probably lots of stress, lots of pollution, lots of toxins of all types. And now you go and put a supplement on top of that and expect that to work lots of miracles. And you're not going to see any changes, right? And it's only information. There's no intelligence in the no. food, just information. No. Mm. It's, it's all about nutrition. Is also about the context. You have to also look at the, the company in which a lot of these nutrients keep. Yeah, so right. they're only going to be as good as the milieu that you have inside, yeah. right? Great call. And, and there is this, um, in the literature, you see a lot about how the gut microbiome will influence these different nutrients that you're taking in. So you make things more potent, more strong, when you've got a good, healthy microbiome. So let's talk about soy for a second, because I know it's one of those um, very controversial topics. Mm -hmm. And the literature is also mixed. There's a lot of emotion around soy. You know, we think of thyroid function and GMO and, you know, you name it. It's It's estrogenic, isn't it? So surely there's emotion. (laughs) (laughs) you know what's funny though uh flaxseed is three times more phytoestrogenic and we don't even hear about you never barking at that tree are we no, it's all about soy for some reason. I knew there was a reason I didn't like so- um, flax. flax. I can't, I can't t- stand flax oil. I don't like flax in any way. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, but if you look at the research on soy, what's interesting is that it's very gut microbiome dependent, you know, whatever we do to that soy. So soy is composed of many different phytonutrients and protein and a bunch of other things, but the, the active phytonutrients that we call isoflavones will either be activated or inactivated by gut microbiome uh, activity. Oh, wow. So for example, we look in Asia to Japan or China, different gut microbiome and they seem to utilize soy very well very well and in fact uh the women that will take soy 
particularly around the, the menopausal period, have greater reductions of hot flashes, uh, better improvements in bone mineral density, better cardiovascular effects. But if you have soy, on crappy soy, on top of a crappy gut <laughs> microbiome, uh, it's like, it's, it's going to be bad, Sounds right? Bad. That sounds bad. <laughs> crappy. Anything sounds crappy. Well, we're talking about the gut, so we yeah, have to talk right. crappy, yeah. right? That's right. Well, I was thinking before about Cindy's um, fermenting, um, you oh, know. My, my probiotics. Yeah, I was thinking, crikey, <laughs> you must do massive poos, Cindy. But I want you to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what came to I thought, oh, will I bring it up? Anyway, I brought it up. So yes. crappy, soy, <laughs> crappy soy, crappy microbiome. You're right. Makes like, for no benefit of no that good. supplement, right? And so lots we're saying of conflicting so is good or bad. Results. What are we saying? It's person dependent, and it's gut microbiome dependent, and it's food dependent. Surely there's always some genetic stuff too, isn't there? Like, yeah. Because when considering mm -hmm. um, two and sixteen hydroxy estrogen right. metabolites, yeah. You know, if if you're shunting estrogen metabolites down an unhealthful pathway, yeah, then soy could be very bad for you. Surely, was the other way around. So soy isoflavones increase the two hydroxy estrogens. So it's beneficial. It's beneficial. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Wow. You've heard it. <laughs> You've heard it. On Up for a Chat and the Wellness Guys. As long as it was organic. It has to be organic and non-GMO. Organic, non-GMO, no Roundup, no Fermented and all of that, you and, know, and, all and, those. But the Asians have used it for thousands of right. years. And, but they knew how to prepare it. It was culture and tradition that taught them the preparation, which was fermenting. Well, yeah. can I just ask about, I know we're talking supplements here, but what about edamame? So oh, that yeah. is the, uh, the, the, the soybean. soybean itself, like when it's green, right? Mm. So the, so is it good for us? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I it's going to have like different phytonutrients, it. right? Yeah. So when soy is fermented, it makes for different phytonutrients than the fresh form. Mm. Mm. So typically in these studies, they look at all different soy foods together. So okay. I haven't seen a lot of studies just on edamame, but I'm assuming, you know, it's if you can tolerate legumes, mm. you should be fine. Okay. And that, I think that's something that we could possibly talk about is that the difference between imprecision and precision. And that's what's being talked about a lot here. Yeah. Is precision medicine as well as precision um, nutrition. Do you want to discuss that? Yeah. Uh, so I think of it as personalized nutrition, so where we have an individual and we know everything about them and therefore we can tailor the nutrients to their physiology. Mm. I think this is 21st century medicine mm. and nutrition. It's going yeah. to change dramatically. It, it already has. So at this meeting, we're talking a lot about genes. We're talking a lot about SNPs and SNPs are the gene variants that we carry. So the way that you process something like coffee might be different than me. So we see these studies and we get all excited, like, wow, I should be drinking coffee. It's going to ward off Are you a fast metabolizer or a slow metabolizer? <laughs> I am a um, slow metabolizer, so I actually do okay with coffee. I thought, I thought the slows weren't supposed to have it. The fast is, is also not supposed to have it. Oh. Because if you go through too fast and you don't have, it just depends on your, so your not, phase two. So you're just saying you're not supposed to have coffee? Because the slow I, and the fast. I'm well, fast, I think so I've been going, extreme. yes, I love coffee. You can, yeah, you'd yeah. be okay. But I only have, uh, yeah, one or two a day. Only. You know, the thing I don't like about coffee, See, we're going on to a different topic we just now. But tone it's, too. It's, we're just changed tone, too. I think I'm about to get into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it's Lawrence or Brett yelling at me. But well, here here, we go. here's just, the question yeah, I would ask you is, is why? You know, uh, because I think, you know, we heard today about cortisol and coffee caffeine increases cortisol in the body and cortisol is a stress hormone and many people are stressed mm -hmm. and uh essentially what we're masking is a lot of fatigue 
You know, sure. we love it because it keeps us alert and beyond our capacity. But no, I never long use term, it. I never use it as a drug, and I can go without it without a headache. Oh, so oh, no problem. Even better. Now that's yeah. a good sign. Yeah. So I yeah. can go for days and days and days without it and not yeah. have headaches. So you put all that stuff in it. All the stuff. butter and the nah. MCT and the nah, cream and the... Nah, give me coffee the way the... it's meant to be had. You know, I actually had one of those today and I felt greasy all on the inside. I just didn't enjoy it. Yeah. You know, for me, having a coffee Long is back. almost kind of... Yeah, it's kind Long of ceremonial, you yeah, know. Yeah, very ceremonial. And the, cere the ceremony of making a coffee or having a coffee or having a coffee with friends for me is, mm. is amazing. And if it cuts five years off my life, if I've spent time with my friends, I'm actually okay with that. <laughs> All right. So my daughter and I, we, every morning, like, she goes and surfs and I swim. And then we meet. Wow. And we drink coffee together. Nice. And we do the crossword. And that's our day. That's how we start it's our day. It's a ritual. That's nice. Yeah. And then when I'm not around, she sends me photos of the crossword. Mom, help me. Oh, <laughs> That's so nice. Yeah. Yes, that's ceremonial. And you're right. That To me, that's worth 10 years of my life. Yeah. To have 100%. that wonderful morning with her. So I only started drinking coffee four years ago. I never drank it before wow. that. Because when I did drink it, oh, my gosh. You buzzed. You <laughs> oh, I was just... But then, I don't know, one day I drank it and I didn't feel it. And I thought, oh, okay. So, so you buzz? Yeah. So it depends ah. on how much and how it's prepared. But I, I go with green tea. I can okay. still get caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And uh, with all the catechins and all the goodies that are in there, I mean, it's, mm. it's impeccable. It's, it's considered a bitter. You know, it's so astringent. Mm. Mm. So it can Why have some like metabolic effects. Just because of the oh, amount of antioxidant difference? Same tr same leaf. I actually just like the taste. Unless it's chai, mm -hmm. I, I do like chai tea. Mm -hmm. I like all the spices in there with the black tea. But black tea by itself, I'm not really liking as much as green tea. Mm. Just like it. To me, it's a ritual. What both of you are keying into is the social eating aspects mm -hmm. and how you know our cultures just lack ritual. And so it's like, how do we connect? And we connect through some kind of beverage or wine or beer or something. Food. You know, we can do that with tea and all mm. kinds of things, right? Food, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been amazing. This has been we an amazing. We could keep on going. I have <laughs> we, to catch a plane. I'm oh, going to get you. And you've got a party. And, and I'm going to Yeah, all kinds of stuff going on here. So, Diana, thank you so much for joining us on Up for a Chat and the Wellness Guys. It's yeah. a, like a co-branded podcast. It's mm. It's, it's unique. a special we're event here to be here with both of you. Oh, it's very special for us and definitely a highlight of our careers. And uh, it's wonderful to be able to spend time with you and rub shoulders with giants. And so thank you so much, Diana. Oh, Your well, knowledge thank you. is amazing. Thank you both. And, and, you, and you know they're all going to be jealous. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, we'll be with that. Two boys and the two girls are going to be really jealous. Yeah, everybody else. We got you to ourselves. This has been fun. Really fun. And thank, thank you. you to both of you for all of your contributions. I love your podcast. I love the fact that you get the word out in, in a variety of different ways. Mm -hmm. So Diana, keep on doing the work. When they want to get in touch with you, where do they go to to get your book? Yeah, my website, uh, www.deannaminick.com. So D-E-A-N-N-A-M-I-N-I-C-H. We'll put that and, in the show notes too yeah. so everyone can get a, a you know, Click on that, just a clickable link. That'll be making it easier. And there's the detox Super. there people can do too. And, yeah, you know, I, I just wrote a that. book called Whole Detox. So it's a colorful approach to changing one's life. Mm -hmm. It's not the typical detox. It's very different. So check that out. All right, we'll I do. need to give you a book, don't you I? Do, you do. <laughs> Stay away from my book. <laughs> Sounds great. I, I think for the listeners, it's the, you're the voice of reason. Yeah. I like I read your stuff, and, I, yeah. and it's the voice of reason mm. more often than that's not. Beautiful. Yeah, well, That's good then, yeah. flying off the handle and just being 
very emotional and hormonal, as you would say, Damien, right? <laughs> oh, here we I've go. got a bit of yeah, that, too. Yeah, my words been twisted around. <laughs> <laughs> we better get out of here. All right, thanks, everybody. So, guys, make sure you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Guys. And forward slash Up For A Chat. And make sure you give the Up For A Chat girls a five-star rating. Yeah. Go to <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> That's right. And tell us what you thought of this episode. Share this yeah. podcast with your friends and family and other strangers you think need a wellness update. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating as well. Don't just give the girls one. <laughs> and until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example. And let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guys Show. And... Bye for now. <laughs> and up for a chat. <laughs> Bye for now. See you guys. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.